He's just afflicted right in. Peter Angel save rebound. Stafford is stopped by Peter Angelo. I don't believe that save. Even if Peter Stafford, he can't believe the save that Peter Angelo just made on him. As Frankie Sparkly. Now that maneuver there to stop and rob. Hello and welcome to episode 79 of Tendy Talk, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the BLPA Podcast Networks. I'm your host, Joe, better known as Wash Up Goalie on social media. This week, I catch up with Andy Netto, a goalie I first met when he was a youth hockey player sweeping up the arena while I worked hockey camps in college. And he's also the son of episode 8 guest, Donnie Netto. We had a bit of a Zoom issue as a cutout towards the end, but we reconnected and finished the episode. So, without further ado, let's get to the conversation with Andy. Andy, how are you doing? Good, yourself? Not bad. Not bad. Thanks for joining me on the podcast, bud. Yeah, no problem. It's uh, been a day or two since we've last talked. <laughs> yeah, it's probably been a good dozen or so years. Oh, maybe more. Probably closer to twenty. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, how's life treating you? I can't complain, really. You know, living the life. Yeah, life, two kids at home, stable job. Yeah. Still in Minnesota. It's life is good. Yeah, although there's some sketchy people you have to see every day at work <laughs> <laughs> yeah I suppose you could look at it that way yeah no, I, I love being at work up here I love being able to see you know same place as my dad and yeah all the people I you know had as teachers so yeah now the, the office looks familiar because uh, all of them look that way what building is your office in I'm um I'm in the old press building behind the rink oh so yeah, yeah. Mary's press so kind of between Mary's Hall and uh yeah Pine's Joe's, yeah, yeah. Joe's is back there too. Yeah, walked by it every day. Uh, <laughs> gosh, two years. I, I was in Joe's and then I was in Pine. So uh, two two out of my. Oh yeah, years, I walked by it every day going to the rink. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I I know you've listened to at least one one episode, and uh, that being the one with your dad, episode eight, and here we are, seventy nine. Uh, so it's been going a while. Um, quite, quite the testament, Joe. Yeah, you, you know, it, it was one of those. The uh, the wife and kids they they got tired of me kind of talking about wanting to do it, and it's funny because Ryan S and I actually talked about um, maybe doing this together, and that's where the name Tendy Talk came from. I think sure. it was S's idea, and um, we we never kind of got it to work. In fact, I'm still trying to get him on the podcast, uh, but his coaching duties have him busy all the time. Sure. Um, but the wife and kids are, they just got tired of listening to me talk about it. So they're like, here, here's a microphone and a book on how to do it for Father's Day. What was it, two years ago? Um, you know, and in the book, they said, you know, most podcasts don't make it past 12 episodes, you know, the, and if they make it to 12, that's still more than most. And I was like, sure. all right, I want to make it past 12. And here I am, you know, so many later, I, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm happy with the body of work thus far. Uh, we'll, we'll see where it takes me. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, but you know, one of the things I like to ask every goalie is, you know, how did you get started in the game? You know, I, I know your dad played obviously. And, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of like the, the story of your parents, you know, meeting at St. Mary's and, you know, they, they have you while they're still in school and they're, they're bringing you to class. But, uh, yeah. how, how did, uh, how'd you get started in the game of hockey? I mean, you kind of alluded to it. My, my dad comes from a, a big hockey family, you know, himself playing his whole life and he was surrounded you know in the Woodbury area by you know tons of great hockey minds that you know came through St. Mary's and went elsewhere as well so I mean I was always exposed to it I never really had the urge to play I was a relatively late starter for Minnesota terms um, I think I started learning to skate when I was about six and I quit right away I fell I cut my lip and I never wanted to do it again <laughs> a year later I think I ended up going back um and just absolutely loving it from that point on, you know, my dad used to, to build a rink for us in the backyard and it was a mini Met center. And we, my mom would make a sign and he put lines in the ice and it was a whole, whole big deal. So that kind of fostered the love of, of the game. And, you know, from that point on, just kind of matured and nurtured from there. Yeah. And then, you know, it, it'd be easy to say, Oh, you became a goalie because of your dad, but what drew you, to the, you know, to the position, what was it dad or, you know, what, what oh, initially it was absolutely the fact that my dad played goalie. And you, know, you always want to be like your dad, you know, he's your idol and your hero growing up. 
So that that's what drew me to it initially. In you know, my first year of travel hockey, it was squirt bees, and we were not not a good team. And we had a rotating cast of goalies, and I think we won one game the entire year. And I played, and we got our butts kicked, and I loved it. And you know, it was kind of from that point on. I was like, all right, if you liked playing and even not doing that well, we'll we'll stick you through it. So. I think I played three or four times that year. And then the next year, Squirt Bees, I, I played every other game. And it kind of took off from there. Um, you know, having a dad with the experience of goaltending, you know, being a goalie coach as well really helped. But that initial draw was primarily because he played. And, and you know, there's always that draw of, you know, seeing the guys on TV and their cool equipment and face masks. And yeah. like, that's always so cool to, to see and you want to emulate it. But that initial draw was very uh, family-driven. Yeah, well, it had to help too, you know, not only just seeing them on TV, but, you know, you had the opportunity to to come to the rink and go into the locker room of, you know, a college team and, and see it up close too. Yeah, so it was once a week when I was in squirts, you know, my dad was the St. Mary's goalie coach here, and he'd take me to the, they had a weekly goalie clinic for all the goalies in the Winona area, including, you know, St. Mary's athletes. And so I'd come and I'd just skate around, you know, with my, my regular forward stuff. And it was just this, this awe-inspiring like look how, how good these players are and their cool gear and you yeah. know I walk around and see you see the varsity athletes getting dressed in their locker rooms and it, it just it just kept that desire in me to play the position you know stronger each time I went up there and because of that I it makes so much sense to me but it makes me wonder what the heck happened to your brother then <laughs> you know what my brother so <laughs> For those of you that don't know, my brother was a, a very successful forward, uh, went through the Winona High School program and then also through St. Mary's. Um, he did play goalie once in squirts and he got shelled and didn't like it. And my parents were absolutely okay with that. You know, I, I, as a as a father now with, with kids in the youth program, my daughter is going to be hopefully a goalie this year if, if all things go the way she wants. I get it. I get not wanting yeah. to have a kid play goalie, so... You know, but but I look at him, I'm like, all right, not only did you not become a goalie, but you became a Buffalo Sabres fan living right. in Minnesota, like of all the teams. Like, a, glut, a glutton for punishment. Yeah. Well, it, the thing is, had he been a goalie, I could have seen him becoming a Sabres fan at that time because Hashik was their goalie. It yep. would have made sense. But he's not a goalie, and he still likes the Sabres. Nope. <laughs> and he was – I mean, he, he loved – we'd collect hockey cards, and he'd collect goalie cards exclusively, and he – Put him on to when Hasek was his favorite, and he was a big Pat Lafontaine fan too. So yeah, I think I think the name Lafontaine when he was little was novel to him, and that's kind of what drew him to the Sabers, and it stuck. Yeah, that that's funny. I, I think I told you the story, but um, when I was a freshman, my mom and dad got a new dog. It was a Newfoundland. It was a puppy, and it, they had had one before, and they had to put him down and you know, they, they were looking for one and they saw an ad in the paper and uh, just said, you know, husband's been transferred for work. We don't want to move the puppies. So they, they go over to the house. It's, you know, just this cute little puppy and rambunctious. And, you know, they're, they're talking to this lady and, you know, they see a couple pictures on the wall of the family and, you know, there's a picture of them on the ice. And my wife goes, Oh, you guys hockey fans? She goes, yeah, yeah. And, you know, they, they keep talking and, then my dad goes, you know, your husband's been transferred to Buffalo. What does he do? And she goes, well, he's a hockey player. And she, he's kind of like, huh? And it was when um, Doug Gilmore was traded from Chicago to Buffalo. They had oh, just gotten this dog. And then, you know, they, they don't want to move the dog. So that they were just looking for a good home. So, of course, you know, like two, three hours later after they've been talking, uh, mom and dad come <laughs> home with the dog. Sure. Um, end of story. Didn't have to pay for nothing. Uh, <laughs> it, it was this little black Newfoundland. Of course they had to rename him to puck. Uh, yeah. but it was just kind of one of those funny coincidences. It's like, huh, who would have oh, thought there? Um, so, you know, you mentioned your, your first year's squirts things, you know, you're getting shelled. Let, let's be honest for those that don't know about Winona youth hockey, high school hockey, in terms of Minnesota, you're going to get a lot of shots most nights. Yes. Um, you know, it, it, it's not the Dinas or the worlds of uh, Minnesota hockey. And as a goalie who played in somewhat similar situations myself, you know, you, you kind of said, I loved it. 
I was the same way. You know, yeah, the, the losing part sucks, but seeing all those shots makes you such a better goalie. Did, I, I'm sure you had conversations with your dad that that was actually a good thing for you playing on those teams as opposed to, you know, the John Marshalls or whatnot where you maybe would have only seen 20 shots a game. Right. Yeah, the whole – I mean, in terms of winning and losing, you know, Winona – it's definitely not a hotbed of hockey in terms of the way Minnesota is laid out. It's much more of a basketball football type of town. Um, it's come a long ways since even since I've played, it's gotten much more successful hockey. Here's it's better than it was, but yeah. losing a lot is tough. And I'm, I'm as competitive as they come. And it took me a long time to be okay with losing. I'm still yeah. not okay with losing, but the mental capacity of, okay, you know, you did your best and it still wasn't nearly enough. It's, it's tough to, and it weighs on you and you, you don't want to dwell on the negatives, but if you're getting shelled and not getting a W, yep. you know, you got to find some positives somewhere. So it took me a long time as a youth and even, you know, through high school and college to, to find that mental safe space of, okay, you know what? I'm working as hard as I can. I got to find something that makes this game fun because mm-hmm. if you're not having fun, why are you out there? Yeah. So, and in terms of like games, seeing a lot of shots, I mean, I personally find that I play way better the more shots I see. Yeah, and I think that's true of a lot of goalies. If you look in the NHL, like a goalie I look at is you know Semyon Barlamov. I always watch him with the Avs and even with the Islanders. You know, he'd play his best when he was getting you know upwards of 39, 40 shots a game. Yep. You know, get eighteen shots. It's a lot tougher to keep your mind in it, keep your body fresh. So I think that's true of a lot of us. You know, the more shots you're seeing, the better. The better you're seeing the puck. Absolutely. In fact, it was three three beer league games ago. I had 58 shots in the game, and I, I was like just loving it. And we wound up winning the game like four to two or something. And it was like this this is what I'm you know I love it. it it's so much better than those times when you only get like 20 shots in a game. And I, I, I still remember my first game I played. We were playing who were we playing? We were playing the uh, Ice Hawks. And it was one of those Saturday morning, 11 a.m. JV games playing a junior B team. And, you know, first of all, we're going from, you know, high school where you're playing 17 minutes to 20 minute periods. So it's like, okay, got to make that adjustment. There's a couple more minutes in the game. And I'm going from seeing, I mean, I'm not joking. Freshman, sophomore year of high school, I would average about 60 shots a game. By the time I made varsity senior year, it was probably closer to 35, 40 shots a game. I think I saw 19 shots the entire game, and I was so bored back there. And I remember, you know, in the locker room talking to uh, Jeff Rose, it's like, guys, you know, give me something to do back there. I I was getting bored. But then Rosie, he was funny because I made one of those – I mean, you know my style and made one of those crazy saves where I roll over Hodgson's yep. and he goes, that save you made where your legs were in the air and you were looking in the net. He's like, that was awesome. He goes, but never do it again. I had a heart attack, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yeah, but I'm, I'm with you. It's just those games where you don't get many shots. They're, they're not as fun. They're hard. No, And it's, it's, it's really tough to find that mental routine of, Okay, you're not seeing a lot of shots. You still need to find these. I do little tasks during each game of you yep. know, each whistle. I do something the same just to make sure my, my body is in control of the play. You know, I'm in the same mindset as the game. I'm not letting it wander. So if there was a whistle, you know, regardless of the effort, goal, offside, puck out of play, you know, I'm doing the same thing. That way I'm just kind of focused and in the moment. I've been trying to teach, you know, some of the youth goalies I work with the same thing that, you know, a lot of this, this sport is mental and if, your, yeah. your mind wander, your body's going to follow. Yeah. You know, one thing I started doing probably two, three years ago is I started counting how many saves I had in the game. Not because I was worried about stats or anything, but it was, it helped me stay focused because it, it's very easy to lose count when you're counting anything, but to stay focused when the puck's on the other end, it's like, okay, I, I'm on 15 saves still, you know, just, yeah. and then when they, they're coming down, I, I remember, okay, 15. And then, you know, they're in the zone. I make a few saves. Like, all right, there's three more. We're, we're up to 18 now. And yeah. I, I just started doing that. And it helped keep my mind from wandering. But every goal is different. So, you know, me telling that to, you know, the squirt goalie that lives down the street might mean nothing because to him that doesn't work. It's, right. it's you got to find what works for you. 
You know, it, it, it's interesting because, you know, you mentioned your dad was coaching you really from the beginning, not just from the beginning, but through your entire playing career, your dad was essentially your goalie coach. Uh, because when you got to high school, he was still helping out with uh, Winona Senior High while you were there. Yep. And then you, you make it to St. Mary's and you make it on the team and he's coaching you. What was that? Not just player coach, but father-son relationship like because I know for a lot of people you know when a dad's coaching you it can be really hard um you know was there kind of that understanding that okay when we're on the ice when we're in the locker room it's player coach but once we cross that threshold you know, it's a different dynamic how, how did that work for you guys I mean, and we never really had to worry about crossing a threshold, you know, as a, as a goalie. And then my dad, you know, through youth hockey was always, you know, either the head or the assistant and not really a goalie coach per se. We didn't, you know, you don't interact that much with the coach um, yeah. playing routine, you know, for a lot of the games were alternating games. So it wasn't like you're fighting for start the starters net or anything. Um, so we always had a really good, healthy relationship, you know, throughout practices and games, you know, some of my best memories of childhood are, you know, coming home from those late night high school practices and just talking about you know, hockey and things to work on and bouncing ideas off of each other. And then, you know, watching sports center at home because you're wide awake after practice and yeah. can't sleep. Um, I think the hardest thing for me as you know, the son of a, a coach is that the outward perception that, well, he's playing because his dad's the coach. And it's, it's really tough mentally because you know why you're playing and you, and you, you want to believe that everybody thinks the same thing you do, but, you know, there's politics and sports and I'd be silly to, to not acknowledge that. And yep. it's, it's a hard dynamic to, to get out there. And you always want to go above and beyond and, and prove that you're playing because you're the, you're the best one for the job, not you're the coach's kid. And so yep. and my, my dad was always really cognizant of that as well. And he, he distanced himself when needed, you know, once I got to St. Mary's and had made the team, you know, he resigned from, you know, the goalie yep. coaching position to uh, remove any sort of conflict of interest there. And, and while I would have loved to have him, you know, all four years up at St. Mary's, I completely understood. And, you know, his eyesight was getting bad and it was, it was the right decision, but that, that dynamic to, you know, what people are thinking about you completely regardless of your performance, it's, it's taxing on, on a, on a player. You know, you mentioned your dad's eyesight. I think some of his teammates would argue it was going years before. Uh, they discovered it, but uh, we, we won't pick on him because he's not here to defend himself, right? Sure. <laughs> um, but no, I, I totally get that. And I mean, your your dad is, is uh, definitely a man of integrity and character. I mean, um, I, I think any athlete who's come through the doors of St. Mary's is, you know, been impacted by him. And, you know, not just the hockey players, but all the athletes interact with him, but more so the hockey players because of his relationship with that team and I mean just some of some of the you know stuff he not necessarily taught me but uh you know emphasized over the four four years we were together and then uh you know working with them as an intern through the sports simple office you know there's there's quite a bit of integrity there with him in fact coach Olson one of his favorite sayings was integrity is what you do and nobody's looking and you know your, your dad uh, definitely follow it up with that one and, you know, live to that. Yeah. Thing. He, I had the honor of, of two years ago inducting him into the, the sports hall of fame here at St. Mary's. And, and, you know, and he's, he's very much served as a father figure to a lot of people here at St. Mary's as they've come through the doors. And I think that he really does embody what the, you know, the Cardinal athletic and even, you know, the Lasallian spirit is here. And I'm, I've been pretty lucky to, to have him as a father and a coach and, you know, a friend through these years and, I think St. Mary's is really lucky to have him too. I think as you know, you can attest to he's, he's influenced a lot of people's lives positively throughout their time here at St. Mary's and even after beyond. Yeah. I mean, I, I was lucky to, you know, be able to work with him really. And the, the, the one thing that really, you know, has stuck with me is uh, I, I forget what the conversation was. It was right in those little steps right outside uh, coach Manor's office there. And, you know, he, he was kind of picking on me. I said, don't I get any respect from you? He goes, respect is earned, not given. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> that was kind of like an ouch, but at the same time, uh, you know, made a, made a lot of sense to, to me and it just went a long way. 
you know, so getting back to, you know, you and your, your playing, you were literally born into St. Mary's, <laughs> you know, you, you, you yeah. were born there, you grew up there. Did you ever consider going somewhere else for college or was it just, no, that this is where. It, no, I mean, I have papers I wrote from like fourth grade that, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it was, I want to go to St. Mary's and play hockey. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was my, my lifelong ambition. I, I looked into some other schools because, you know, like any good professional or, you know, athlete, you're, you're going to look into all options. Um, but St. Mary's was always kind of at the forefront and there weren't ever really any other possibilities I, I could see myself realistically going to. So, no, it was somewhat predetermined and I'm, yeah. I'm happy that it was. No, no other my ex rival my ex schools. No, sure. not, that definitely was not going to happen. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that, that would have been awkward. I absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to say, I didn't think, and I mean, same with your brother. Now, w- what I find interesting is, so you're in the environmental biology realm, right? Yeah. Which you probably enjoy my little garden I got going on behind me. Um, oh, my, my wife would love it. She's huge in the gardening. So see, we're, we're trying it for the first time this year. So I, I think we started the seeds a little early because it's like, all right, they keep getting bigger and bigger. And hopefully in the next, you know, two weeks we can get them outside. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, you go into the environmental biology field and then your brother kind of the same route and he's, you know, a national park ranger. I'm guessing that passion started from your summer road trips as a family oh, 100%. Out, to, out to the national parks. Yep. Like what an awesome uh, opportunity as kids. Like every year you guys were just going on a couple week road trip. Yeah, trying... two week, two, minimum of two weeks every year. We, we road tripped it out to, you know, a new national park, you know, as a family, all four of us, um, and beyond my career influence, I mean, it had a lot of impact on me as just a person, you know, yeah. personal relationships and, and seeing the world and understanding and appreciating how much we have as a nation and we have individually as fam- our family, it was, was huge. So yeah, my, my lifelong ambition was, you know, from that, I wanted to kind of be what my brother is, you know, park ranger. Um, and while I'm not currently, and my, a lot of my job does deal directly with the park service, and I travel to national parks for a lot of my jobs. So yeah, um, so yeah, those family vacations definitely had an impact, and it's something that I'm continuing with my family as as a parent. Yeah, it's funny because when we go different places, uh, I, I look on a map and say, okay, where's there a national park that's close by? We, we were out in Tucson a couple of years ago, and we hit both East and West. Uh, Soharo National Park and nice. it was really cool because we were talking to the uh the, the kids did the junior ranger program while we were there and the uh ranger was asking the kids you know have you seen any lizards we're like yeah they're just so cool you know they're awesome so he goes yeah they're they're kind of like uh our squirrels he goes you guys see squirrels and you're like more squirrels but I'm, I'm up by you guys. I'm like, oh, there's a squirrel. Look at that. It goes crazy. He's like, lizards are our squirrels down here. It's just kind of really cool that he was able to find out where we were from and then, like, make that connection to us. So we understood, um, you know, kind of the, the ecosystem, make it relatable to us in our home. It was really Absolutely. cool. And, of course, then I took the kids to the biosphere uh up there too that that was really fun oh nice i'm sure you didn't quote any polish shore quotes from biodome did you no but it, it was really funny because we were there and i think it was like december and we're saying my old boss's house at the time was on a golf course in tucson and it's got this heated pool you know overlooking the golf course so we'd get up every morning and watch the javelinas go out down the golf course but it's like 60 degrees and the golf course workers are wearing parkas and knit hats and my kids are swimming. Well, biosphere was at like 3000 feet elevation, a little bit further up in the mountain and dad take them. A cold front came through and it snowed. Oh, so the tour started a little bit late as you know, the local workers were getting to work in this, you know, devastating snowstorm they had. Like, we're so sorry. Where's everybody from? We're like, well, we're from Minnesota. And this other family was from Buffalo, New York. And then there was another <laughs> family from Wisconsin. And they're like, oh, so you guys are all useless. They're like, yeah, no, no problem. And they're like, okay, good. 
And then like 15 minutes into the video before you can go on the tour, this couple comes walking in, they're just shivering and like, Oh, where are you guys from? They're like, we're local. And like the rest of us just start laughing. Then we go out to our cars and it's just covered with like the tiniest dusting of snow. And like this couple, they're like, what are we going to do? Like, we're going to have to stay here till it melts. We don't have an ice scraper or anything. And like, we're all like, you have a credit card in your uh, wallet. Just scrape, scrape the card off with that. And it was just so funny how they they didn't know how to deal with it. And they're like, well, we can get into the car, but we don't know if we should drive in these conditions, (laughs) you know, but if you're not used to it, you know, you're not used to it. Uh, Absolutely. Um, where is I going with this now? Uh, all right. So the, the summer trips are awesome. You, you know, you, you mentioned the kids, your daughter, your oldest, she had a very unique opportunity even before she could skate. She got to sit in the Stanley cup. She did. Uh, that, that had to have been pretty cool when John McDonough brought the cup back to campus and get that picture of her. That, that was one of those once in a lifetime type of, type of moments. It ended up happening twice because he brought it twice. Yeah. But she was, two and the photos right you know back here she's in the cup yeah um, i snuck out of work and took my daughter out of daycare and brought <laughs> her up that he was meeting with the board of trustees in the in the trustees lounge here at st mary's and i kind of snuck in with my dad and we were taking some pictures and the, the keeper of the cup kind of came over and he's like that's not going to work and he took the cup and he put it on the ground and <laughs> he's like put her in it so we put her in it and took some photos and and when he came back with the cup it was about two or three years later we have another picture of my daughter standing right next to the cup just to kind of show yeah. how big she's gotten compared to, you know, the, the cup. And it was, it was pretty cool. It was one of those highlights. Like John Butchergrass randomly tweeted the photo of my daughter out that my parents yeah. had tweeted at him. And it was, it was pretty special. She, uh, she's going to rock that photo for the rest of her life. No yeah. That, that had to have been cool to uh, do with your dad though, too. You know, oh, to absolutely. Yeah. the cup and. Hockey fans, feel the action on the ice like never before with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Right now, new customers can bet just $1 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still hit the ice for cold hard cash. New customers can make their first deposit and play free for thousands with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. Draft your lineup of eight skaters and a goalie and rack up points for goals, assists, saves, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. You know, and it it wasn't just like, you know, I saw it at the Fan Fest when the All-Star game was here, and it was just, you know, that was great. I mean, the line, it took a while, but everybody was really calm because, you know, you got up there and they're like, take your moment, you know, find your team, touch it, and, you know, we'll take your picture. It wasn't quick, get up there, take a picture and move. Uh, And then I saw it again when Nick Letty brought it back to Eden Prairie after the Hawks won it. And it was funny because I took the kids and we got the picture with the cup cup and Nick Letty. And that was more of a move through because he was going to be taking it to the children's hospital. Everybody knew that. And so we we get our picture and I send it to my wife and I go, what do you think? And she goes, well, it looks like you and your life partner have a very nice Christmas card. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, okay, I I see your point there. So then I had to Photoshop them out of it and just kind of like squish us in. But it was just funny the way she was like, hmm, it it looks like you and your life partner there the way, because he had his arm around me and the cup. It it was kind of funny. That's Um, awesome. You know, but it was one of those where, yeah, I took the kids out of school for the day. It's like, yep, we got to go. uh, see this because yeah you don't know when it's going to happen again <laughs> or if it ever will again yeah you know so that is that is pretty cool um you know so you, your, your daughter's starting to skate and you say you know she might be a goalie you're hoping yeah. she's a goalie, but at the same time you know now, now you're starting to experience being that goalie parent oh yeah uh, yep. 
you know, ha- have you been apologizing to mom and dad now? Uh, is your no, starting they, that journey? They, I, they always knew that I understood what they were going through. Maybe not to the degree they were going through it, but I was aware. But yeah. you know, with my daughter now, she <clears throat> she's on U10. This is her oh man, fifth year, sixth year of playing hockey. And, you know, she's always said she wanted to play goal and she'd done it a few times in mites and really enjoyed it. Um, and then this year, you know, we had, we had a 10 year old goalie that she's a very good goalie and she, she played all of our games, but there was a weekend where she was a close contact for COVID and she was yeah. shut down for a week. And my daughter came in and she got to play goalie for those two games that weekend. And her first game we tied and the second game we lost by just a goal. I think we lost two to one. Just loved it. She absolutely yeah. loved it. And so that goalie has moved up next year and, and my daughter really wants to fill that role. And <laughs> she knows that it's going to be a, a lot to ask of her and it's a yeah. full commitment. So if, if she's willing to make that commitment, you know, I'm not going to push it on her. Cause you know, if you're going to force somebody to play something, that's a good way to make them not like it. Yeah. So is Grandma so going to come out of his uh, coaching retirement and uh, work with her? No, I don't think so. She doesn't, <laughs> she, she responds much better to, to other people coaching her as opposed to dad or grandpa maybe he can pull out the old uh videos he used to show at hockey camps <laughs> oh yeah the, the bill howard and, and the usa hockey training goalie videos i'm oh, sure they're still around up here somewhere yeah i i can still hear that monotone voice and it literally put me to sleep every time i had to put them in oh, there yeah. i i remember you know me and frish and you know richie we'd be like hey guys wake us up when the ta- tape is over and we'd pull, you know, a leg pad or two over as a pillow and yep. we, we'd fall asleep while those things were on. But God, I mean, to watch him now would just be, you know, comedy. And a time trip, you know? Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. Um, oh, this is new for the first time ever. Uh, Zoom is telling me there's time limits. Interesting. Um, well then, uh, usually not the issue when there's only one other, you know, it's only two people and good, good to know. Uh, so if, if you've listened to any of the episodes other than your dad's, you know, I do like to ask people list of 10 questions. Um, and the first one is what's the craziest coaching moment from your playing days. And I know some of your coaches, it, it might include Fran. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't include Fran. It was a, um, it was a Bantam game, a Bantam Bees, and we had traveled to Shattuck St. Mary's to play, and we were actually beating Shattuck's B team. Um, and there was like five or six minutes left in the game, and one of our players got railroaded from behind into the boards. And, you know, the, the referees had stopped playing. There was a scrum around him. You know, our coach um, was not my dad, but one of the other coaches was running to make sure our kid was okay. And one of the Shattuck players pushed our coach like shoved him out of the way. And so our coach like grabbed him by the Jersey and pushes him up against the boards. And like, meanwhile, there's what we, the equivalent of like a bantam brawl, right. Going on around him. So it was this melee of kids, you know, 13, 14 year olds punching each other with blockers and you know, gloves on our coach getting punched by a, a kid while he's trying to make sure a kid's okay on the ice. It was kind of bedlam. I think I remember hearing about that. Cause that was, when you were a bantam, yeah, you would have been uh, working hockey camps when I was there. So, yeah, I, I, I yep. think I remember hearing about that. There there was uh, a lot that came out after that, too. I, I think, uh, wasn't there possible, you know, legal proceedings? Uh, I, I don't remember about that, but it's certainly possible. Yeah, I, I remember there was all kinds of goofy stuff coming out of that one. Uh, so, I think I know the answer to this one. Uh, what's your favorite all-time goalie mask? Ooh. I mean, the obvious answer would be was Canadian's mask. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go with that, I guess. There's a lot. I mean, it's, that's like asking a, a father to pick their favorite kid. Yeah. I, I appreciate all goalie masks for what they are. I really am a fan of the early 90s, simple, Same. Um, very matted, you know, like Kirk McLean you know, Tim Shevelday, um, those kind of masks, they have very clean lines. Yep. Well, and I, I had a feeling it was going to be the Wa Canadians mask because when you were played at St. Mary's, you had that pretty yep. much replicated my... to fit the St. Mary's. It was yep. so well done, too. Um, 
yeah, I, in fact, I got my St. Mary's mask over on the shelf, you know, to the side here. And, you know, I, same thing. I, I like that simple, clean line, see it from the, the stands. And that's why I just had the simple Cardinal with the stick yep. coming down. It, it was the clean mask. I remember Terry Mannery's like, you know, I've seen a lot of St. Mary's masks while I've been here. That's in my top two, right? Yeah, you know, that was yep. of course before I'm yours. Sure. I, I think yours probably uh, eclipsed mine. Um, no, I was, was very happy with how mine turned out. I um, I had drawn that thing out on graphing paper for the artist, and basically told me exactly what I wanted, and he nailed it. So now I, I haven't seen detailed pictures of it, but I know Wah had kind of the Wah in the you know upper yeah. part here. Did you have something like that? You know, saying Andy no, my, or anything like mine that? Mine stayed as it stayed as Wah. That was kind of my my other tribute there. I like it. Perfect. Um, What's your favorite rink that you've ever played at? Ooh. Um, that's a good question. McCall, Idaho. McCall, Idaho, the entire player's bench side of the arena is a glass wall. Ooh. And it looks out over the mountains and uh, Payette Lake, and it's, it's absolutely beautiful. That's I, played, awesome. I played there as an adult in men's league, um, and it was, it was quite the experience. So that's probably my favorite. That sounds incredible. Uh, one of my top two favorite rinks here sitting about 150 yards from right now. Yeah. Um, for many, uh, just too many good, good memories in that ring. Uh, so what's your favorite stick that you've ever used? Sherwood 99.50 from here at St. Mary's. It was a custom stick I had done. Funny story behind it, but we had the Sherwood rep come into the and was just modeling sticks and they had to deal with the Mayak at the time this was my going into my senior year and I asked if you know, they could do a certain pattern and everything so yeah just you know send us the, the fragments of what you'd like to see and and we'll get it done so I sent a um it was basically a wah wah shaft and paddle with a Kolzig slightly modified Kolzig curve and they meshed them together and sent them to St. Mary's and I had neglected to tell Coach O about it so they, they uh, billed Kocho for you know, a dozen of them, and he, he footed the bill for me. <laughs> I still remember when, when I was there, you could get uh, three sticks for 20 bucks. And we had the Christians and the CCMs at the time. The, it was the Toronto pattern Christian and the Kolzig CCM. And I was the only one using the Christians. So after my senior year, I was just going to get three more sticks, you know, kind of a Hey, let's stock up at the end of the season kind of deal and gave coach Farron my 20 bucks. He goes, there's six of them left. Just take them. You're the <laughs> only one that's going to use them. So just take them. So it's like, yeah, that's sweet. a coach F move there. Yep. Yeah. Best, best deal I'll ever get on sticks right there. No um, what is your favorite youth hockey memory? Uh, my same Bantam year, we took third in the region, which is the furthest that anyone on a team's to this day ever done. That, that's not a bad one. So the, the next question is when I like to hear the responses to is what's the best chirp you've heard on the ice, off the ice, directed at you, not directed at you? So it, it's, it's not all that great, but I was refing a high school hockey game. So this is maybe a dozen or so years ago. And a coach was just screaming at one of my partners, just screaming at him. And he calls him over and I go with him and, and he's yelling, you know, we've got this game on video. And the coach and the referee, my partner, stops him right there. You've got it on video? No way. I've got Braveheart on VHS. And the coach just, <laughs> he just shut up right there and skated away. And that was, that was the end of the discussion. But it was, it was so deadpanly delivered that it, it really <laughs> stuck out. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, so what is the worst post-game beer you've had? Oh, Ice House. <laughs> I laugh at that because you know that was the name of one of the hockey houses when I was there. Yes, I do. But we, one in Idaho, one of our men's league games, they some, our team captain brought Ice House afterwards. And if it's not after hockey, I'll drink it. But man, that one game, one beer, and it was like this is not for me tonight. It was, it was rough. You know, it's funny you say it because there's some beers that are really good beers, but after hockey, they're not. And I mean, I know you're a craft beer aficionado just like I am. 
but there's a lot of beers that I really like that aren't good for right after hockey. It's almost like the cheap domestic beers are perfect for post game. You know, I, I don't know if it's because they're basically water to begin with. Um, I, I, I don't know the, if that's the reason or what. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So next question, when you tape to your stick or do tape your stick, do you go heel to toe or toe to heel? Heel to toe. All right. You're always most goalie. So, so we, we won't get it. I know. <laughs> you go, the answer. If you go toe to heel, you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so I know the answer to this one. Um, but I'm still going to ask it. What's your favorite number to wear and why? Number one, because of my dad. Yep. And he See, wore number one because he liked Bernie Perrant. I was going to say, most people were going to think it was going to be the wah because well, of uh, what we were talking about earlier, but I knew it was not. <laughs> I, I did wear 33 for a year on varsity here at St. Mary's, but one was my number for almost my whole life. Yep. See, I when I first got there, 35 was my number in high school. My freshman year, uh, Fred Hennon was wearing 35. And then Richie wore 35 after Fred. And so I was like, I'm not getting 30. Senior year was my, you know, my shot at 35. Uh, so I, I went to the uh, cabinet and found the biggest jersey that was in there. And it was number 39. And it just, it fit, it fit me. You know, just the style I played, you know, sophomore year, I had the Hoshik helmet. So it was just perfect. Yep. And then uh, I remember I went into the locker room after junior year, um, junior or senior year, you know, and they put the nameplates up on the lockers and had 33 on here. It's like, what the heck? They just changed my number on me. And I, I Terry's like, well, yeah, we, we have a few more road games this year. And as you know, Are we back? We are back. That That's a new one for me with Zoom just cut me off right in the middle. Uh, I'm going to have to figure that one out before my next recording here. Um, so let me get my bearings straight here because, as you know, I'm a goalie and uh, I'm not always all that on top of things. <laughs> I still remember when I had one of my concussions. I think it was my second one when I was at St. Mary's and I, I went up to the trainer and She's like, what's wrong with you? It's like, I think I have a concussion. And she's like, you always look like you have a concussion. <laughs> I was like, gee, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we were talking about your favorite number. And I was saying, you know, I, I went to that, the cabinet, got 39. And then, uh, you know, I, I came in the locker room. It's like, I'm 33 now. What, what's with that? And, you know, Terry's like, we, we don't have a 39 in red. So, you know. We have a 33 in white and red, so that there you go. It's like, okay, because for the road, for JV, we we typically wore the old St. Mary's College sweaters, the, yeah. the um, uh, old Montreal Canadian format one, which those yeah. those were sweet jerseys. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I just liked that New York Rangers style we had. It, in fact, I, I took Classic. My, yeah, I took my son to uh, a Wild Hawks game a couple of weeks back, and I he was asking me what our road jerseys looked like. I was explaining it to him. And then we were up in the 300 level and then they had Trottier's 22 up there in the Mayak section. It's like yeah. there, right there. And it was like, so I always make them stop and take pictures with the, you know, peanuts characters. Yeah, yeah. Like, Dad, you need to go over there and take a picture with it. The way you make me take pictures. Like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, it was kind of fun. Oh, uh, so the funny story with that. Uh, were you there when Trotch's kid was at St. Mary's? Yeah. So he at one you might have been working there, but he brought me back a game used Patrick Waugh stick from the Abs, and he had the entire team sign it for me. So I've got a I've got a Waugh stick that was game used against the Red Wings because it's stamped, and the mm-hmm. entire 2000 Avalanche roster has signed it in Sharpie. And that is like my prized possession in the in the in the goalie world. I do remember that. So I ran into Trotch. Three years ago, uh, we were playing. My son was playing in a baseball tournament. We we're playing Edina, and there's this kid with the last name Trachier on his jersey, and he's wearing 19. And I was like, huh. So I start looking down the third baseline, and there I see Trach and Joey all the way at the end. And so, 
after the game, I went up, said hi to him. And, uh, uh, you know, so yeah, he's doing good, but that poor kid freshman year, I don't know. I don't think you were at that JV game was, uh, second game I played and I just got ran, had a terrible concussion and everything else. And, um, in the trainer's room and varsity teams getting loaded up and they're asking you, got anybody that can kind of watch you for a couple hours, make sure everything's fine. It's like, I don't know, probably and your dad and Terry are standing right there and they go, go shower up. You're coming with us. So we get on the bus and Trachi is a healthy scratch that night. So he's got to sit next to me on the bus and every little bounce of that bus, I was feeling nauseous, never did get sick, but I was like every little bounce for the two, two and a half hour bus ride up the Twin Cities, I'm like, and it was, apparently they asked us what we wanted to eat before we got on the bus, because we stopped in Red Wing to eat dinner, and I told them what I wanted, I don't know, thank God the team manager uh, was there by me when I said what I wanted, so we, we get to this little restaurant, there's these two long tables, and then there's this round table with like five seats, I sit down at the little round table, and your dad comes up to me, goes, Joe, you can sit with the team. I was like, where am I sitting now? He's like, you're at the coach's table. I was like, oh, okay. So I start gathering the silverware at the plates in my seat. And and he goes, no, no, no. They have those at the other table. (laughs) And then the lady comes to me. She goes, well, what do you have? And I go, well, I haven't seen a menu yet. (laughs) And she's like, it's only chicken or pasta. What did she tell him? I was like, I didn't tell him anything. And again, that, I forget who the team manager was. He shouts it over and, you know, you know guys like Stinney and whatnot, they're just getting a kick out of it, just watching. Yep. And uh, we hadn't played Hamlin yet, so I didn't know they were the Fighting Pipers, and it was at the old Coliseum. So we get out, you know, Trotch and I go sit in the seats, and I see their banner. I was like, the Fighting Pipers? What the heck is a Fighting Piper? They're not <laughs> scary. It's, at that time, they were the doormat of the Mayak, so yep. it made it even worse. It was just like, oh, my God, that – that poor kid on that bus ride having to watch me that whole day. It was, I felt bad for him. Uh, yeah. Oh, funny. So the, the last question is what advice do you have for young goalies? I mean, we, I've already alluded to it. You got to have fun. I mean, you play hockey for a set portion of your life. There's no sense taking it too seriously and not having fun with the game. And it was a lesson I learned a little bit later in life that I wish I would have picked up on more in my in my high school and college days but it's a fun sport you're playing a fun position you have lucky to be doing that find find little things and little you know little wins in in your losses so that you can always have an enjoyable time on the ice because the, the minute you're out there and you don't know why you're out there and it's not fun well then why are you why are you wasting your time absolutely absolutely so typically this is where i end the podcast but you know we have a little more history than most of the guests I have here. I, I, I always like to ask this question of the St. Mary's folks. What did you think the first time you saw me on the ice? I remember you just rolling. It was a, <laughs> it was a, a late night yep. counselor game. So I was up there playing as a, as a high schooler and you were probably a freshman or a sophomore. And I remember you doing like snow angels on the ice and I, I don't remember. Did you have a, a combo at that time or a? I uh, did my sophomore year, but I, I, I had an, an Eddie mask, a okay. black Eddie mask my freshman year. Yeah. I just, I remember you doing snow angels and Hossack rolls and, and flailing all over. And I was a bit, a bit taken aback in terms of what's this guy doing out here, but it was fun. Yeah. I, I still remember, you know, that freshman year, I, as I told your dad, it's like there were 26 goalies that tried out. What the I had hell 22. were you guys thinking? When you 22 my freshman year. I couldn't believe how many goalies were on the ice for that tryout. Yeah, and, you know, I said, what the hell were you guys thinking taking me? Because I wasn't one of the top six. I know, I'm honest. I know that. And, you know, I, I honestly think working that hockey camp going into my freshman year is what got me on that team because your dad said, you know, you're not always picking – the best player you're picking the best people yeah you know and so it, that's absolutely true because yeah. it's you're you're picking a lot more of a team you know when you have when you address three goalies you know at yeah. the varsity level realistically that third goalie is not going to see much yeah. of any time and 
especially the third JV goalie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But that's something I recognized as a player that, you know, I I traditionally for, for most of my time on varsity was, was that third goalie. Yep. And rather than bitch and moan about it, I kind of embraced it, you know, be the best teammate. You can be find find ways to lift your teammates up, you know, joke around on the bench, give them high fives as they skate off the ice, you know, clean up in the locker room, you know, make, make their lives easier. Yep. Um, may, be that good teammate. So I think that players may not always be picked because they're the best, but they might be the best fit for that position. Yep. You know, it's, it's interesting you say that because my senior year on JV, we had four goals. I should not have been on that team, you know, and Terry and your dad and coach O, they, they brought me into the, the coach's room and they said, you know, they said the same thing. I, I was not one of the top six goalies in the um, tryout. They said, but they're not going to cut me. And I was like, well, wait a minute. That means you're taking seven goalies. And they, said, and they all said, you know, for three years, I, I had just poured my heart and soul into the program that I deserved my senior year, you know, but it was with the understanding, you know, my playing time was going to be, very limited and I still got into I think three games that year um it helped that one of uh actually I think two of the goalies missed uh the post seat the uh Augsburg Cup because they wanted to play in the battle of the bands uh <laughs> that, that kind of helped um my my odds a little bit um but it you know they, they said you know kind of the same thing you, you put so much into it you, you become that um that personality in the locker room, you know, there, there is that term that the locker room guy, you know, you might not have to be the the clown or the outgoing guy, but there's the little things you do. And it was, you know, just kind of being that leader off the ice, showing those young freshmen, the underclassmen, you know, how do you do it? How how do you work hard every day in practice so that you can maybe move up to the varsity? Yeah. Um, And in in college too, there's, there's the, the academic side of it too, where I I tried to be a leader in the classroom as well. And I think, that, that I, I didn't reach that. I, I passed <laughs> everything, but I wasn't necessarily the leader in the classroom. <laughs> you know, my, my dad, I, I remember the one day we were sitting down, we were at Bubs or Boobs, uh, having burgers. And he goes, you know, you have the talent and the smarts to be an A student. Why are you not getting A's and everything? He's like, you're getting B's and C's. I know you can do it. And I looked at him and said, dad, I'm not going to grad school and C's get degrees. So I'm going to enjoy my time here. And he lifts his beer and he goes, I can't argue with that. And just you know, <laughs> took a big trick. He's like, yep. can't argue with that. He goes, have fun. Pass your classes. Yep. <laughs> you know, it was like, that's that, you know, um, no, I, those hockey camps. So I, I, I've talked to a couple of the guys. I, in fact, I was skating with Alan Knowles last week and, you know, every time we get together, we talk about camp and how fun that was. Um, you know, but I think of you, you know, you grew up at hockey camp, you know, you, you were pushing a broom for, it was what, eight weeks. Cause you worked the girls camps too. Eight weeks, yeah. eight weeks every day you're there. Uh, but in turn, it also meant you got to, skate those you know three four hour counselor games at night you know you got that week of camp yourself and I mean those camps were awesome four hours of ice a day you know you can't you couldn't beat it as a kid yeah away from home so fun playing hockey all the time yeah it was it was living the dream yeah and I got to work it and you know do the the skating I mean I basically from squirts all the way through college because I worked all through college I was associated with that camp in one way or another yeah. Um, now that you had a buddy that worked, you know, pushing brooms. I can't remember his name. Uh, he was kind of a short little fella, stocky. Mm-hmm. There, there were two of you, and I remember you were both goalies, and you would, you two would just pick on each other the whole time, <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like you know, the the odd couple. You guys always just picking on each other, and you get on each other's nerves, and. Us counselors may or may not uh, have egged you guys on. Oh, I'm sure um, not. But I, I'm sure you, sure you knew that. And there was nothing better than taking a nap on the uh, on the mats, the mats, right, right yeah. outside the door, yeah, the, the track and field mats. Yeah, and then the, the trainer would come wake us up so that we could get the kids out of class. Yep. 
those are some of the best snaps ever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, Andy, I know you probably want to get home to the wife and kids. Uh, I, playoffs. <laughs> yeah. That, that Blackhawks aren't in it. That season's over. Um, but uh, thank you for your time. It's uh, always good talking to you and your dad. Uh, and I know you guys come up to the cities. When you come up, we, we got to get together for some beers. Sounds um, good. I, I know you guys go do some curling up at uh, Blaine, and I'm not too far from there. That So we'll have to get some beers together soon. Sounds like a plan, Joe. All right. Have a good one, bud. Thanks for having me. See you. Yep. Bye. Bye. It was great getting a chance to talk to Andy again. He was a kind, hardworking youth hockey player when we first met. Over 20 years ago, hard to believe. Knowing his parents, I'm not surprised at the fine family man he's grown into. I look forward to having a beer with Andy and his dad the next time they're in the Twin Cities. Remember, you can always find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube simply by searching for Wash Up Goalie. Visit washupgoalie.com for some great hockey-related content, my beer league hockey video highlights, and of course, all podcast episodes. If you want some Wash Up Goalie or Tendy Talk apparel, be sure to visit my Threadless shop by clicking the merchandise link on my website. If you like this podcast, go listen to the BLPA Big Show. It's the OG BLPA Podcast Network show where a couple of beer league players talk beer league hockey, draft experience shenanigans, and exploits from around the game. Be sure to check out the full lineup of hockey-related podcasts from the Hockey Podcast Network as well. There are too many lists here, but shows like the Keeping Up with the Krakens podcast, the What Lies Beneath Seattle Kraken podcast, and the Blues Hockey podcast can all be found. I need to thank the band Zambonis for allowing me to use their music on my podcast. You can download their music on iTunes or listen wherever you download music from. I'm working on lining up other goalies to talk to. If you are a goalie or have connections to a goalie who I should talk to, shoot me an email at washupgoalie39 at gmail.com or send me a DM on social media. Let's not forget, if you're a brand who wants to sponsor the show, be sure to reach out to me. Be happy to talk. And finally, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on. It's a quick action on your part that helps others find Tendy Talk. So, until next time, keep your stick on the ice and your body square to the puck. Yeah.